It's the next level. Lucky Yates. Hey there, this is Jimmy Simpson. Hello, this is Brad Sherwood. Hi, this is Claire Coffey. This is Andy Daly. Hey there, this is Kevin Durant. Hi, I'm Chris Parnell. Hey, this is DJ Fine. Hey y'all, this is David Hoffman. You are listening to Next Level Have Fun. Welcome to another episode of The Spotlight. And my guest on this episode of The Spotlight is somebody I've been wanting to talk to, well, at least on the podcast I've wanted to talk to. I've talked to him a number of times outside of it. Uh, he is an artist who I have many pieces of his work, and he's somebody I consider a friend, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, my guest is Brian Roll from Odyssey Art. Brian, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. So, we'll talk about the business aspect of it, but, you know, and we talked a little bit about this before the recording, but how, uh, with the exception of the business aspect, how are, like, you and the family holding up during all of this that's going on right now um pretty much as as well as can be expected i i think um you know doing what i do i work from home anyway all Mm -hmm. the time um my only my only kind of venturing out is um toilet paper well well, (laughs) but i mean like in terms of in terms of pre-quarantine really the only times that i would go out and interact with people is uh, conventions. Um, so my, my daily life hasn't changed all that much. Um, which is good. Um, obviously I know that a lot of people are going through a lot of, a lot of terrible shit. And, uh, and so it's, you know, I, I get to at least stick to kind of my routine and stay sane. Um, the biggest change for us is my son isn't in school. Um, and so, uh, keeping him occupied for (laughs) a full day is, is difficult. Um, tends to be the uh, challenge of a lot of people right now. Yes. I, you know what? And man, I see people that are working from home that have multiple kids and I just, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Uh, we have one and, um, He's a handful, so, so it, <laughs> it's incredible that people can do it with with more than one uh, more than one kid. It's it's one of those things where you want to shake their hand, but you know, like uh, I'm not allowed to at this, yeah, at this right? point right like, now. I'll just give you a a, a nod of respect from a, a distance of at least six feet. Yeah, and you know, one thing I hope that comes out of this because you know, like yourself, a lot of other people out there are having the combination of working from home and having to deal with, you know, one two. And three or four kids at home because they're not in school anymore. School's canceled. And, you know, one of the things I like to shine a light on to some of my friends, I was like, well, imagine what teachers are go through every day when they're handling 20 kids. Yeah. I, can't. Day. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't even imagine. Like, and I know that, uh, like our, our son, for example, he, he loves being in school. Um, and so he's, very well behaved for the teachers. Uh, I'm not saying all the kids are, but I know that he is. Um, but when he comes home, he's like, well, I was good all day, so now I can raise hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, hopefully it raises some, you know, some people's 
insight into, uh, you know, or at least raises some of the respect people have for teachers now because I don't think feel like they get enough. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I um, My first job out of college was um, I was a, an assistant um, at a, a, an alternative school. It was um, a school for kids with behavioral problems, um, high school aged. And, you know, my title was assistant, but basically I was just a bouncer in the classroom and um, I couldn't deal with it. I could not deal with uh, just the disrespect and the, you know, and so, yeah, I can't imagine doing it. I didn't even last a full year. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I can't imagine doing it year after year. I mean, they, they sure earn their summer vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, for, that's for sure. Um, you know, but you brought it up. So, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, one of your first jobs with, did, I'm sorry, did you mention that was outside for your, one of your first jobs after college? Yes, it was okay. my first job out of college. Um, I was, uh, looking for something in my field, um, which was actually computer animation. Okay. Um, I, uh, that was my, my concentration in college was I was a general fine arts major with a concentration in computer animation. And I was kind of hard headed in the fact that um, when I finished school, I, I moved back home to New Jersey and there was really only like one company in the area that was doing computer animation. And when I didn't get a job there, I didn't even really apply anywhere else because everything else I would have had to move to California, mm -hmm. which later in life I probably would have been more open to, but um, I just I didn't want to move. <laughs> um, well, especially making a move from you know that, I mean that's a, a move across the country. It's not just like a simple one or two states over. Right, right, and and I'm an only child, and you know I've always had a, a really great uh, relationship with my parents and, and, um, I just, I, I had just been away f at college. Um, I went out of state for college. Um, so I had just been away from them and, and just, I don't know. Yeah. It's possible they would have followed me out there, but, um, cause my, my, my parents have always loved California. We, we have friends out there and we visited numerous times, but, um, I don't know. I just didn't want to make the move. And so, um, so I was kind of scrambling to find something. Um, I was working at a, a video store. <laughs> um, it seems you know, to be a I, common occurrence with a lot of people that I know is that yeah, at one point know, or another, we worked at a video store. Is, like I, I loved it. Like, so did I. Yeah. And, and, um, but you know, you're getting paid like minimum wage. So, um, yeah, but, exactly. at, but at the time, though, you're, you're kind of young enough that you're like, well, I get to see all these movies for free. So it kind of makes up for it, even though it really yeah. doesn't. It, that's <laughs> definitely true. But I had worked there uh, over the summer when I was home from college. So it was getting into kind of my third year there. And it was, you know, as much as I love all the movies, it just wasn't, you know, wasn't paying the bills. And as much as, as much as I love my parents, I still wanted to move out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I was, yeah, I was working out at the gym 
and I ran into um, uh, a friend. I'll call him a friend. He was uh, I played baseball in high school and college, and this guy was uh, an opposing coach, um, and we had uh, briefly. Uh, worked together in a summer league um, and he was the principal of this alternative uh, alternative school and he was like hey what are you doing you know you got a job lined up blah blah, blah. I was like no nah, can't can't really find anything he's like oh well uh, we've got an opening at this school um, you know school starts tomorrow <laughs> if you're interested <laughs> And, uh, and so he, he hooked me up with the job and, um, it was, it was certainly something I've never really experienced before or after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but you know, at the time, like you said, you were kind of scrambling for something. So yeah. And you know, you took the first bite you got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so, but yeah. So how long, so you know, going back to, to college and everything, you know, you you said you went to college for computer animation. Was art something that you always wanted to do or was it something that you kind of found along the way? You know, it was always in my life. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I used to, you know, lay on the floor in front of the TV and draw Saturday morning cartoons and movies and uh, everything else. You know, I had a big sketch pad and I would just doodle with crayons. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it didn't really become serious um, other than just something I love to do. When I was in eighth grade, um, I started collecting comics and... Um, kind of emulating the the artists and and just you know one of the biggest ways I learned was I would take a favorite pose you know by Jim Lee or uh, Mark Bagley or you know one of my uh, one of my favorites of the day and not trace it but you know try to eyeball it and draw it and that's just what I did over and over again and it just it got to the point where you know, classmates and teachers and stuff were like, Whoa, that's, that's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, Oh, uh, Oh, okay, cool. I guess, I guess maybe I can, can continue with this, you know? Yeah. Um, but then, uh, high school, I, I, you know, I didn't really take any art classes. I took a few, but, um, didn't enjoy them all that much. And I ended up, um, I guess my junior and senior year, instead of taking an elective, I just opted for a free study period. Um, and I spent most of those study periods just drawing. Um, I, I did a lot of uh, trips to Barnes and Noble and, and just checking out their art section. Um, you know, the how to draw the Marvel way and, mm -hmm. and uh, the what's his name, Burn burn Hogarth or whatever the, you know, drawing dynamic anatomy and, and things like that. And so it got to the point where, you know, those were my teachers, those were my classes. Um, and really in, in high school, baseball was so much bigger for me than art. Um, 
I really thought I could possibly go pro. Um, and, you know, when it came time to, to apply to colleges, any art program in college requires a portfolio and an interview and all kinds of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that was smack dab in the middle of baseball season. And I wasn't going to go for any of those meetings um, because I was, you know, committed to whatever team I was playing on at the time. So I ended up when I went to, when I applied to college, I applied as like psychology major or something kind of broad in general, just to get in um, figuring that I could switch majors uh, once I got there, which I think I switched four times once I got in. Um, But it was all kind of just, um, you know, I went to a liberal arts college and so the first couple of years you're just taking like, uh, the general requirements anyway. Yeah. You're, you're taking like your basic, uh, your basic courses because you don't actually, I don't think the colleges like that, you, you don't usually dive into like more specific classes until like your third year. Right. Right. I mean, I didn't, I didn't take, uh, an art class until I think I was a junior. Um, maybe, maybe the end of my sophomore year, but it was, I mean, it was pretty well along and, and um basically what happened was they still wanted the portfolio and the interview so um they said okay here we'll we'll let you take this like intro to uh two-dimensional design which was you know like one of the the very basic art classes they had and they said and if you do well in that we'll count that as your portfolio um so it was basically a a semester-long tryout Um, and you know, luckily enough, I did well enough and I had a, I had a, a a teacher that I got along with, which, uh, which is not a small factor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, a lot of my later art classes was a lot of butting of heads with my, my professors. Mm Um, I think that they, they really wanted to push me towards like fine art, like gallery art. And I wanted to be able to put food on the table. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, a lot of times I would get comments on some of my projects, like that's too commercial or that's, you know, too, too pop culture and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's what I was going for. It it sells. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's like, that's, that's what's getting hired. Like, I don't want to sell a painting after I'm dead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You want to, you want to be known for your artwork while you're still around. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, so as you know, that was, that was a lot of the, the art requirements, but I finally clicked with two professors. Um, one of which was the head of the computer animation department. Um, and so that I made that my concentration because, you know, at the time it's like, holy shit, that's like, I can work for Pixar, <laughs> you know, or, you know, I mean, I think the story he told the first day of class. Um, oh, shoot. I can't think of the. Uh, 
Was it of another like animation studio or? It was no, it was um, a video game company, um, uh, Diablo. Who makes Diablo? Oh, um, oh man, now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, I should remember this. Uh, um, Blizzard. Blizzard. Uh, yeah, Blizzard. Yep. So one of our, one of his former students had had gone on to work there, and and uh, I, you know, I don't know how high up in the company he was, but all he mentioned was like he just bought a Lamborghini with his. Um, uh, residuals check or something like that from the last game they released. And I was like, it's like, okay, so I get to work on stuff that I love and I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. You know, and I switched my, my concentration like that afternoon. Um, so I clicked with that professor and then I, I, um, to make a little extra money, uh, I would supervise the computer labs, uh, for the, the art department. And um, I just got to talking with one of the professors that was kind of, his office was down the hall from the computer lab and he was kind of in and out, like um, using the printer and stuff like that. And we got to talking um, because I was, I was drawing. Well, cause there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, you just make sure nobody brings a soda into the computer lab. That's about the extent of monitoring that we did. But um, I was just sitting there drawing Batman and uh the professor walked by and saw me drawing and, and turns out he's like is obsessed with batman hmm. so we talked like the whole time and i never had him for a class but i ended up taking some independent studies for credit with him um and he he basically taught me how to digital color which is all i do now mm -hmm. um you know he he really told me uh kind of the ins and outs of of creating digital art and this is i mean this is way back 2000 so 20 years holy cow 20 years ago <laughs> it's it's scary isn't it i mean i had yeah. i saw something post somebody posted something online too about how something happened like this is the oh it was the uh the 21st anniversary of columbine and it oh was and it was like 1999. I'm like, I don't know what's what's worse, the fact that Columbine happened or the fact that 1999 was 21 years ago. Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously Columbine is worse. I was just making it sarcastic. Yeah. No. No. But, I got you. It but, does though. It's it's like, you know, somebody posted like we're we're closer to the year 2050 than we are to 1990. Yeah. Yeah. It it really like it's kind of like a shock to the system. Yes. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, I still I, a lot of a lot of what I base my years on is uh, what the Yankees, the New York Yankees did in that season. Uh -huh. So when I think of the 90s, I think of like they were one of the most successful teams in history uh, during that decade. And it's like that was that was like 25, 30 years ago. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, it's like I'm a, you know, you compare to the Yankees, I kind of compare to the Devils, and, you know, as as a hockey fan, and the like, the Devils won the Stanley Cup, you know, I I like to throw in the face, like throw in people's faces, oh, you know, the Devils are three time Stanley Cup championships, well, champion winners, yeah, well, that hasn't happened since 2003, yeah, know, right? <laughs> you know, it's been that long ago now, oh my that, god, you know, that it happened, so I see the comparison to like sports, um. 
uh, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Just the seasons. Uh, they're they're yeah. mile markers in your life. Milestone. That was yeah. That was the yeah. You know, sports team milestones and things like that. So, so I mean, yeah, you talked about like the digital coloring, which is exactly what your art is. Um, and it again, it looks fantastic because I have a, a shit ton of it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, but so you know, when you made when you graduated college and you know you were finding the odd jobs, when was it that you finally started to click with the art, and what made you kind of made the jump into taking it full time? Well, there was a big gap between starting it and taking it full time. Um, the summer after I graduated from college, um, I had uh, a couple of teammates. Uh, they were twin brothers that um, I went to visit. They were they were playing in a summer league uh, down in North Carolina, which is actually where I live now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> And I, I don't even know why I did it, but I did uh, kind of like caricatures of them. Um, one of them was a pitcher and one was a shortstop. And, and I did, uh, you know, a caricature of the pitcher with a ball that was on fire. And, and uh, um, the, the shortstop, I did uh, a caricature of him with um, a glove made out of solid gold. Um, and, uh, when I gave it to them, their parents were still very involved with my college team. And they said, uh, you know, we're doing a fundraiser for the team in the fall. Like, can we auction off like, you know, a commission from you? And I was like, uh, I, I guess so. I, you know, I, this was all like very new to me. Um, and so it, it was, uh, they just did, you know, they showed the two that I had done of, of the boys, um, their boys, uh, as examples of what the commission would be for the auction. And, um, what happened was not only did someone win the auction, but then everyone that didn't win the auction wanted to commission me to do a piece, uh, of their son um, and it expanded from there. It went like I had, um, some of the, some of my teammates, girlfriends played soccer or, you know, uh, field hockey or whatever. So I, I did some of them and, and, um, so everything really started with sports art. Um, you know, at some point I was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing all these people that I know, but what if I did like a famous athlete? So yeah. I did like a Derek Jeter and I did, you know, um, I don't, I don't think I ventured much outside of baseball. Although I did draw my, my dad, um, who played college football. So I, <laughs> that, that's probably the only football player that I've done, but, um, but yeah, so it, it got to the point where I built up a little bit of a portfolio of the sports art. Um, and this is, I mean, at this point, I'm uh, I'm at that school working, um, and then I leave the school. Um, I'm back at the video store, and uh, I met somebody that I got my next job from at the video store. Um, but at that point, I had built up enough of a portfolio that I sent out um, 
like a cover letter and and samples to all of the major league baseball teams and i heard back from i guess three of them so at the time there was 30 uh, there's 30 teams um same as there is now i don't know why i said at the time but anyway <laughs> um so three of the 30 got back to me two of them were just like a form letter like hey thanks for contacting us you know but the the third team was the Yankees and they actually called me like the next day. <laughs> well, I know being a Yankees fan that you are, that had to make you I, ecstatic. I, I know that if, if your listeners are young enough, they don't know what an answering machine is, but <laughs> I left that message on my answering machine until I threw out the answer. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't blame you for that. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest regrets I have is that I didn't, uh, like make a Xerox copy of the check and frame it. But, uh, but yeah, so they, they hired me to do, um, a double page spread in Yankees magazine. Um, and, uh, I don't know after that, it was just like, can you, can you get any higher than that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, um, but yeah, but then I, then I started drawing like pop culture stuff. I think the first, <clears throat> the first thing I ever tried to do, uh, kind of in this, this style that I use now, although it was not nearly as good then, um, was a Boba Fett piece that I did. And, uh, and again, it was like, it's like, okay, well, I can see that there's something there, but uh, definitely got to work on it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so it also, it, it helped that the, the job that I got after the, the school was, um, I worked for a company called NECA, uh, National Entertainment Collectibles Association. Yeah, I know of NECA. Yep. So, um so that was, I mean, that's all they did was pop culture stuff. Um, so I was very immersed in that world. And, and uh, you know, we started doing uh, conventions with the company. And uh, I would bring some of my art with us um, based on which celebrities were appearing at the conventions. And so like that, that first Boba Fett piece I, I have... Um, you know, I got it signed by Jeremy Bullock and I got a, a picture with him and um, did not know he was British until I met him. Uh, but that's, that's common. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's not his voice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it, it kind of started from there. And then, I mean, I was at NECA for over 13 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and... I guess, I guess, you know, and I think what happened was I was at a show with NECA and I didn't really know anything about conventions at the time. I, I had gone to like New York Comic Con when I was in middle school and high school um, before it was actually New York Comic Con. It was, you know, back back before read pop days and stuff like that. And, um, 
like I didn't know anything about Artist Alley or anything like that. I thought I thought if you were there, you were a professional comic artist. And so it never entered my mind that I could set up at a convention. Hmm. And I just happened to be walking around the con and I found Artist Alley. And I was like, oh. And I was like, these, I, I don't know any of these names. Like the, and I started talking to some of the artists and it was just like, oh, you just do this as a hobby? I, oh, so do I, <laughs> you know? And, and, uh, so I ended up, I think it was 2000, let's say 2004, I set up an artist alley at a convention for the first time and um, continued to do so for most of the 13 years I was at NECA. Um, you know, I, I would do maybe three to four conventions a year, but you know, it was, it was not obviously my main source of income. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I had a really good convention in 2014. Um, it was New York Comic Con and it was my, oh, I want to say third year that I had been there. Um, and Stephen Amell was going to be one of the guests. And I was like, oh, I could do an arrow piece and maybe people will buy it to get signed. And so I kind of busted my butt. I spent three straight days working on it. And um, it was uh, the, the This Is My City piece that has turned out to be the best selling piece I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Um, one that I own. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, so the previous two years I had been at New York Comic Con, um, Thursdays were dead. Like, just not, you were lucky if you got to see like six or seven people walking mm. through Artist Alley. It was, it was so dead. So since I was still at NECA, I was like, I can't. I can't justify taking off the whole day on Thursday to go in. So like I'll go in like after lunch or whatever and, and just set up and, um, and just be ready for Friday and Saturday basically. And, uh, I'm getting in my car at, at NECA to, to drive into New York and people are like, messaging me and stuff on on social media like where are you i'm at your table and you're not here and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was one of the most surreal experiences uh i think i will ever have in that i you know here i come with my my hand truck full of all my stuff and i get to my empty table and there's a crowd waiting for me and i just i i basically sold out of uh my exclusive the the arrow exclusive uh before i even set up my table wow and it was like and I, again i printed 50 of the exclusive and i was like man i've never sold more than like 20 of a single print at, <laughs> at con so this is you know i'm probably gonna be bringing these home <laughs> 
Um, do you know what? So oh, go it, ahead. What's that? No, go ahead. I, I want you to finish because I have a funny story when you're done. Okay. So, <laughs> and it just, it was like, and the funny thing is I reached out to Steven through his Facebook page um, before the con thinking I'm going to have a bunch of these left over. So I'll just give him some for him to auction off for charity. Well, obviously selling out of them before I even set up my booth, I had none left. <laughs> yeah. And um, so the, the exclusive was like a, a, a little eight by 10 metallic version of the print. So on my way home on Thursday night, I printed just a bunch of regular 11 by 17s of that image so that I had something the rest of the weekend. And, uh, I ended up being so busy that I never got over to Steven myself, but I had somebody go over for him, uh, for, to him for me. And, uh, that is actually how we ended up getting connected. Um, yeah, Steven has been a, uh, a big focal point of, uh, at least of what of your career I've known you as long as I've known you. Yes. And, and basically the success I've had after connecting with him is the reason that I was able to do art full time, leave my job and do this full time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, so. it, it's funny that you mentioned New York comic con 2014. That was the first and only time I've ever been to New York comic con. Really? So, okay. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny like how small of a world it really is in that like, yep. you know, you were at New York Comic Con 2014, I was at New York Comic Con 2014. I've walked Artist Alley when I was there, so I've probably walked past you before I even knew you. Yep. And that was the first time cuz I, you know, you, you know me as well. I've had many interactions with Steven just as you have. Yep. Um that was the first time I ever met Steven. Was at New York Comic Con 2014. Well, and I didn't even meet him that weekend. Oh, yeah. I just, I, I sent over one of the prints uh, with a note and he sent a note back and some contact info um, for his handler. Um, and then, and he's in the note that he sent back, he said he wanted them for uh, a wine party that he was doing which was the first knocking point party that they ever had. Mm -hmm. um, and so the funny thing is, so after New York Comic-Con, I had his, his handler's contact info and I tried to reach out to her, but she went on vacation right after New York Comic-Con. And so, but Steven wanted those prints for the auction like within a week because the the knocking point party was going to be like the week after near comic-con so here i am panicking thinking oh my god he asked me for something and i'm not going to be able to deliver on the first time he ever had, you know and, and um so i ended up just going on the knocking point website and emailing the um like customer service and just kind of telling him what had happened and blah 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 and uh, Steven's partner and co-owner, uh, Andrew got back to me. <laughs> and so we ended up getting the prints out to them, uh, in time for the, the, uh, the party. And, uh, that also started my 
my connection and my working relationship with with Drew. Yeah, because I mean, you know, in, in addition to you know the artwork that you've done for Steven, and you know, we'll talk a, a little bit about this in a bit, but you know, you've done labels for Knocking Point now. Yeah, uh, you know, as well as some other artwork for Knocking Point and some other charity stuff for Knocking Point, and you have a great connection to Stephen, and I know that's uh, that's actually how that's your connection to Stephen loosely is how you and I actually met. Right, because uh, you you came to uh, a Heroes and Villains fan fest, right? Yeah, which at the time Stephen was one of the the main guys behind. Right, and, and you were a featured artist there, so yeah, that was actually it's through it's your connection through Stephen that kind of is how is loosely how you and I met at the same time. Right, right. So you know you we you know Stephen, how long was it until after like you got him the prints and everything? Was Stephen the first celebrity who you drew that you met? No, because I, I had um, I had been uh, like I said, like Jeremy Bullock and, and stuff like that. Um, when we would go to convention yeah. with NECA, I would bring stuff um, based on who was going to be there. So you know, I had let I had met uh, you know Ray Park and Mark Singer and Peter Mayhew and and you know, but all of that was just me going up to their table as a fan. Um, and, and being like, Hey, look, I drew this. Here's a copy for you kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think Steven was probably the first, uh, celebrity I met that I drew that I met under a completely different circumstance. <laughs> you know, it was, um, it was actually probably about, Uh, I want to say like eight months later, I, I ended up meeting him in person for the first time at uh, the knocking point party after wizard world Philly in Philly. I was there too. Were you really? <laughs> yes, I was. That was my first ever knocking point party. Uh, uh, that's funny. Me too. That was my first ever too. Yeah. That, yeah, that was God. It's such a small world. Yep. 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 Yeah, right after Wizard World, I remember walking from the convention center through Chinatown down to that uh, venue that they had it at. Um, yeah, we uh, we busted our butt to pack up our booth and get it in the car. So we weren't there right away. We kind of came in midstream and and we didn't stay long, too, because um, Katie was pregnant. And so she was like she was done. I mean, she had. <laughs> worked wizard world for four four long days and you know we still had to drive home and and i had to go to work the next day too so it was like i kind of i went in um they were auctioning off um a, a light box piece mm -hmm. that i had made and uh so i just kind of i wanted to be there for uh when they announced the winner of that and um you know, make sure there were no issues and anything like that. And then, then we pretty much got out of there because we were exhausted. God, it's such a, like, again, like the small world is like, because I, I remember bidding on that light box piece. So oh, yeah. I was a fan of your work before I even knew you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, that was back when the knocking point parties were still on, were on Sundays. Right. Which, which were rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, going to a con all day, especially for an artist like you, and then just going to a, a mixer on a Sunday night, drinking all night, and then 
having to go home to work the next day. To be honest, any night the knocking point party is, is rough because when you're working the con all day, it's just like all you want to do is go back to, to the hotel room and crash on the bed. Yeah, this is very true. I Because I remember I, I'd only been to one or two more after that one in Wizard World. And the last one I went – one of the last ones I went to was uh, Atlanta, I think, in 2017. Okay. It was one of the last knocking point parties I went to. And that was when I was working with – uh, heroes and villains at the time moderating so i like you was working the con all day yeah and i actually wanted to go back to the hotel room and crash and i had people who were at the knocking point party saying like no you need to come out yeah and yeah. make an appearance so um you know out of all the people that you've met though like because so you you've met a num i know for a fact you've met a number of the artists that you've drawn who if you remember who was the first one to come to you? Because I know you've had quite a few visit your booth when you're at cons. I think it was Robbie. I okay. think Robbie was the first one to search me out. Um, I mean, it's a lot of times uh, what happens is someone will buy something of mine, go and get it signed, and they'll come back and say like, holy cow, they really liked it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But because of the the kind of tight schedule that the celebrities have at conventions, they can't really go searching for anything. Like, they, you know, even if they wanted to come find me or, or another artist or whatever, it's hard for them to get away. Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, and ex especially considering it involves them, like, having to go out on the floor, which... Not right. that they don't want to, but a lot of cons kind of frown upon that because they, they want the celebs to have their privacy. Right, right. You know, so well, yeah. and they also, I mean, you, you get the people that when they're walking around, oh, can I get a picture? You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, you know, somebody paid a lot to get a photo with me. I'm not, you know, it's not right for me to do it for free. Um, but I guess that's, that's also par partially the security and the, the handler's job to be the the one that says no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at somebody like Stephen. Stephen's never walking the floor. Steven right, never walks right. The or floor. If he is, he's surrounded, he's moving at a pace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's moving at a clip just to get from one point to the next, and he's, one of the, and he's I mean, surrounded one of the, by escorts. One of the 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 things you'll see though is um, some of the celebrities like to go before the show floor opens they'll walk around. Um, I actually met Nathan Fillion that way. He was just walking around looking at uh, Artist Alley. And uh, and he walked by my booth and I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so Robbie was the first one that, that kind of came to find me. Um, and it was at the first Heroes and Villains in San Jose in uh, 2015, um, somebody, somebody came by and was like, dude, I think Robbie Amell is looking for you. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I like, is he mad? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, what did I do? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah. And he ended up, he ended up finding me and, and, uh, uh, took a picture with me in my booth and, and holding my firestorm art. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it, it, 
doesn't happen that often that they come looking for you just because of the schedule thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times what I'll do is, especially during the, the heroes and villains, villains conventions. Um, if someone says they liked the piece, I'll go take one to them. Um, and, and get to meet them that way. Um, you know, I, I, I think that for the most part, they're flattered. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've had fans ask like, are they, are they mad that you're drawing them? And it's like, I've never come across that. I mean, I don't know if other artists have experienced that, but, um, yeah, I've never heard of that. I, I, I wouldn't know if that's ever happened to an artist before. Yeah. I mean, even if, <laughs> even if the artist isn't great, like it still should be flattering that, that they want to draw you, you know? Yeah. yeah that you want to, you kind of want to like, what, what is it? Like imitation is the, uh, the biggest form of flattery. The highest or... form of flattery. Yeah. 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 So I had, um, you know, Kurt Manley. Mm-hmm. He, um, you know, he always used to do those uh, show exclusives for like the Walker Stalker uh, conventions. And, uh, you know, one time he's like, can I draw you in one of them? And I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, and actually he still owes me a copy of that. I'm going to have to (laughs) contact him. That was a couple of years ago, but. Hit him up and see if he still got one. Yeah, yeah. Have you? If, if he doesn't, it's fine. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> Have you? And this might this might sound like be a weird question. Have you ever had a celebrity approach you at any point, whether they come to your table or not? Because I, you know, like you said, it's very limited that they have the time to do it. Yeah. But have you ever had anybody approach you or reach out to you about actually purchasing your art? Um. Whether it be of themselves I... or of another character that they just love. I've, I've been commissioned by people for, um, like, uh, Cody Rhodes contacted me and had me do, um, a, like Steven versus him piece, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, to kind of tease his appearance on Arrow, um, and then I've I've had some private commissions where like a celebrity will will ask me to draw their kid or something like that, um, okay. but not not a whole lot of like, um, you know, Stephen wouldn't ask me to draw him as Arrow. I mean, I'm gonna do that anyway. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, I know what you mean. Like, not no, it's it's all been like private commissions where it's it's like them and their kids or um that's still really like cool that. though that they would reach out to you for that they're like that, that's got to be flattering that they would ask you to do that you oh know, absolutely that they trust you to do that it, it it's flattering but it's also kind of nerve-wracking <laughs> <laughs> because it's like you know when i draw somebody as a character i can just do a google image search and find plenty of reference most of the time, unless it's something obscure. But when I'm drawing like a kid or like uh, a spouse or something like that, I have to rely on just like a few fuzzy pictures that they send me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
oh man, I hope they don't think I made the kid look too, uh, <laughs> you know, too cross-eyed or too, you know, just, just, I hope that they're okay with this. And so that first, when I send them that initial, uh, initial piece to kind of get their approval to keep moving forward, it's always like, I always fear the worst. I feel like I'm going to get like this expletive fueled rant back. Like, how could you draw my son like that? <laughs> my oh, child my is not that heavy. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but, uh, so far so good. I, I have not experienced that. That's good. That's another, I mean, that's another reason I, I used to do private commissions of, uh, you know, just, just like fans would, would ask, Oh, can you draw me in like my Ren Faire costume or um, it's my anniversary. Can you draw me and my husband or, you know, stuff like that. And uh, it got to the point where it's just, Oh, giving me too much of an ulcer. Cause I, <laughs> I really don't want to have someone feel insulted by the way I draw them. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, you know, I mean, I know I've jokingly asked you for things before, never to put myself in the role of something. Um, I think I've jokingly asked you probably a good four or five times to do John Wesley ship as the flash. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, I wanted to put him in my alter ego series, uh, last year, series five. And something happened with, he was, so for people that don't know, I do one a month and, um, you know, I try to line it up where I'm releasing that one a month, like around the time of a convention or, um, some kind of media event where it makes sense. And I was, I was going to do John Wesley ship as both Jay Garrick flash and the nineties flash. And, uh, I just, I, it was like, I ran out of time to, to get it done for that month. And then, uh, I had other stuff planned for the other months that were like, Oh, I want to do this one for August because I'm going to be at a convention with that actor or, uh, Oh, you know, September they're releasing this movie and I want to do that character from, you know? And so he just got, he was so close, Ben. He was so close. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm holding out hope. Eventually you'll get to him. Yeah. He's on my list. I mean, I, I, I say that a lot about a lot of things, but <laughs> I, I literally have a spreadsheet of, of future projects of, well, of, for my alter ego series of possible, uh, inclusions. So, you know, anytime I, a, a new movie or television show comes out, and I, I think that there's something worthwhile doing in there. I add it to my spreadsheet and obviously, uh, you know, his, the nineties flash was, uh, was on my list pretty early on. It's just been, uh, passed over, I guess. Well, you know, he sacrificed himself during crisis on infinite earths to save everybody, but that doesn't merit a drawing. It's all right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, out of all the people that you've met, sorry, out of all the people that you've met uh, over the years of conventions, is there anybody that you've just kind of like really geeked out over 
or, or are you kind of past that at this point where it's like, oh, like, that's, oh, no, that's no, awesome. no, never, never past that. <laughs> even, even if, um, even if I don't geek out, um, I still get nervous. Like if I'm, if, when I'm standing there waiting online to, to talk to one of these, uh, actors or, or, um, voice talent or something like that, I, I, I still get nervous. Like, sweaty palms and start getting cold sweat and all that stuff, you know? <laughs> um, uh, the, the one, the one that I probably had the most physically geeked out response to was Jim Lee. And that's not even the same kind of experience you're talking about. Like I, <clears throat> again, this is when I was working at NECA, um, like Jim Lee was a huge influence on me when I was in yeah, middle he's, school, he's, high school. He's one of the reasons why you got into what you're doing now. Right, exactly. And so um, Wizard used to have Wizard World used to have these after parties, and uh, myself and a couple of coworkers went to uh, the after party at Wizard World Chicago, and like we had been there a while and it was like, okay, I'm about ready to leave, you know? And then Jim Lee walks in the door and I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know? <laughs> we're not going anywhere. Right. And like, I, and my coworkers were like, well, just go say hi. And I was like, what are you nuts? You know? And they, they got me to go over and I, you know, I said hello. And, and I, I was like, like, like when I was a kid growing up, like you were like my favorite artist and like, you're a big reason. Like I want to be an artist and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he said something along the lines of like, Oh, thanks for making me feel old. And, <laughs> and I asked if we could get a picture together. And I don't think I still have the picture because I like my, my smile was ear to ear and my eyes were bugging and like, Oh my God. I did not live it down for a long time. My coworkers <laughs> made fun of me for a long time. Um, and I, I've since met him again at other conventions and thank God he does not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it really sucks when you get to meet those people. Cause I mean, like, like I've, I moderate at conventions and everything too. And I've, I've actually gotten past the point of nervousness because mm -hmm. I kind of, I kind of have to. You know, I can't. Well, yeah, you got to talk to him like a normal human being. <laughs> yeah, not and not just for a couple minutes. Like I have to be on stage with him for minimum half hour, forty five minutes. I kind of right. have to get over it. Um, but I know for a fact there are people out there that if I ever got the chance to moderate for them, I would absolutely geek out. It would be incredibly tough. Simon Pegg is one that like I would. Oh yeah. Absolutely geek out over. We, I, Simon Pegg. Uh, yeah, I would love to meet him too. We uh, we actually. Um, we did Shaun of the Dead figures when I was at NECA. Um, and he, like, he would email us back and forth with comments about the figure. And like, <laughs> I think at one point we couldn't tell what his eye color was. So we asked him and he was like, he sent back like this three sentence description of like, well, they're kind of a hazel green with flecks of gray. And, you know, and it was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one I would I would uh, absolutely geek over if I ever got the opportunity. 
who else to meet him um well i mean robin williams would have been one but obviously that unfortunately that'll never happen yeah i would have been the same with him too yeah um i i you know as weird as it sounds i think maybe well i would have said hugh jackman but i've been like within i've been a foot away from hugh and yeah i geeked out a little bit so that counts yeah um I didn't get to talk to him, unfortunately, but again, I was like a foot away from him in, in New York City at a show that he did. Um, what show was it? Was it the Hugh Jack- like the best of Hugh Jackman or whatever? No, Well, no, he did. And man, you talk about like an ultimate moment for me. Like New York City is one of my f- all-time favorite places, um, especially now that I've reestablished my relationship with the city after 9-11 and everything. Mm. Um, Christmas time in New York is my all-time favorite time to go. And then Hugh Jackman is my my favorite living actor right now. Um, yeah. So he did a performance. He did two songs for the today show uh, in New York, in, in Rockefeller center in front of the tree. Oh, wow. So you talk about like the ultimate, like of all three things together. The, um, the perfect storm. Yeah. And, and a friend of mine ended up getting two passes to go and asked me to go. That's amazing. So I got to go and like, it's, I've had people when I like I was still traveling home from New York when people were sending me screenshots of seeing me on TV within a foot of Hugh Jackman, <laughs> you know, as he's walking around. I'm like, I lived it. I don't need to see it again. I'm good. Thanks. Well, I, I <laughs> if I remember correctly, you have uh-huh. autographed by Hugh Jackman. Right? I do that. I won from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have that Wolverine bobblehead that I won from you autographed yeah. by Hugh Jackman. And it is on a shelf. It has not come out of the plastic that you wrapped it in mm. because it's staying protected. <laughs> you got I think they make like little, uh, like little um, display cases like those. Uh, yeah, I think they do. Cause I, you can buy them for like pop vinyl figures and yeah. Like yeah. Pops I mean, and I know it's, it's not the same kind of size, but it should keep it safe. Yeah, I didn't even think about doing that. Now I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. Once this is all over. Um, you know, you know, we we're obviously we're geeking out about experiences that we've had, like from meeting celebrities and moderating and stuff like that. And like you've done a lot of stuff with with Knocky Point now to this point. And what are some other things? And I know you I'm pretty sure you did some Code 8 work stuff for Steven as well, didn't you? Uh, that was. Yeah. I mean, I did do a, a few Code 8 things. Um, Steven wasn't really involved in that um, process. That was more. um Robbie and the director, Jeff. Um, but that was, I mean, that was amazing. Um, when I, I, I did kind of a poster of Robbie and uh, Sung Kang and uh, just a bunch of the robots and the drones and stuff um, before, uh, before the movie was funded. Um, I did it based on the, the short film um and that was that was fun because you know i kept sending like progress shots for approval and it was just like looks great looks great (laughs) so so no changes guys (laughs) um and then um and then robbie approached me uh i i want to say it was when they reopened the campaign I honestly don't remember because it all kind of blurs together. Um, he approached me about doing one of the postcards uh, for the campaign where he and Steven signed them and uh, um, 
obviously people would buy them and, and, and help support the campaign. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so that was really cool. And I mean, it's, it's amazing to see how well the movie's doing. I mean, it just, what was it last week? It started streaming on Netflix and it's been, it was number one for a yeah, while, which is incredible. I mean, uh, it's still in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's cool to see like when, you know, when you have, uh, open up your Netflix and the top has like something they recommend that's trending. Mm-hmm. The last couple times that uh, Katie and I have put on Netflix to watch something, Code Eight is the thing that they're they're uh, suggesting that's trending, and it's like I know that movie. I know that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had uh, when when Code Eight launched on Netflix, I I had no less than three people send me like posts or comments on Facebook or message me saying like, Hey, there's this movie on Netflix called code eight. I think you'd really like, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> where, where have you been? Like, I've known about this for years. Like I've, I've <laughs> not only have I known about it, like I'm, I'm acquaint, I'm, I'm acquaintances with the two guys that are in it. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, who do you think I am? It's like my bragging moment to my friends. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. I met, um, a really good friend through, uh, through doing that art. Um, I, I, you know, I did the poster and I asked the guys if I could sell prints of it. And, um, I mean, they were of course very, very cool and and said, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was at a Megacon in Orlando and someone came looking for me to get the code eight art. And I was like, you know, some people come find me for Arrow or whatever, but the fact that they came for Code 8 kind of stood out to me because it Mm -hmm. was like, oh, this is this is cool. And she had been a backer of the original campaign. And, uh, you know, a few years, maybe not a few years, but about a year later, I met her again at another convention and she said I was the one that came and found you at Megacon for the Code 8 art. And I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. And we started talking and she ended up working conventions with me. Um, I hired her to, to help me at my booth. And, and uh, you know, she's she's a very good friend that, that I haven't seen in a while because of this stupid quarantine. <laughs> Do I know this person? Uh, probably. <laughs> um, initials. KP? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. yep. I know who you're I know who you're referring to. Yeah. Yep. From the Florida area. Yep. Yeah. I know okay. who you're referring to. Yeah. So that was that was really cool. And I mean that's one example of, of it being code eight, but I mean Arrow in general has has uh, created a lot of friendships and relationships through uh, conventions that uh, even after the conventions and stuff are gone that, you know, I, I think I'll still be friends with them. Yeah. You, you included. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate that. And I, you know, I said the same thing, you know, like I, at least for a while was working on my own event. I hope to get back to it depending on what happens with everything going on right now. And yeah, you know, it's, you know, you were one of the first people I, re- I, I reached out to like, Hey, like I want you to be a part of this. Yeah. And that was, that was, I was so flattered. <laughs> I was just like, Holy cow. That's, that's amazing that, 
I'm, I'm on your list at all, much less at the top. <laughs> well, you like you and our mutual friend Beth are uh, okay. are my two top artists that I know for sure I want there. Um, not just there, but like featured. Like that's you know that's that's the plan in the works right now. Um, before we move on to like, because I do want to talk about that. I want to talk about like how COVID nineteen is affecting conventions and artists and such. Um, but just real quick, going back to like the whole Code Eight stuff and and knocking point. What was it like? What was your reaction when you had your artwork on a wine bottle? That was pretty crazy because I don't I don't drink at all, so I don't know anything about wine. Um, I. I ended up doing a, a beer thing uh, for Steven as well. Um, and it's just like, I don't, that's just so not my world. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily uh, the stuff they do isn't like normal wine labels. Um, you know, they're, they're very creative and they know their audience. And, um, and so it's not like, uh, here, draw like an old fashioned vineyard with some gates and grapevines and stuff like that. It's like, um, hey, you know, my daughter wants a wine label that has um, a warrior princess with bubbles. And it's like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, it was it was very cool. The, before I even did a wine label, I did um, a print that was exclusive to members. And it was um, a painting of all the wines they had done up to that point. It is hanging um, on the wall in my kitchen. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yep. um, and I, I got to tell you, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done because I had to paint other people's labels on those bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to copy other people's artwork. Yeah, and it's just, you know, I mean, to, to get it, right to get it to look like because some of the those wine labels are photographs which is that's fine I mean that's kind of what I do is draw uh from photo reference but like their first wine label was drawn by Jim Lee oh I had no idea yeah he like sketched it on a napkin or something for them and it's it's the the first um uh, I can't remember the name of the wine, but it's it's um, the hand pulling the um, the bowstring back. Oh yeah, and it's kind of that really sketchy. Oh my god! Why? Sketchy. Yeah, why can't I think of the name of that wine? I have it. Like I have like two bottles of it, and I can't think of it. Right. So anyway, clearly, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know how I feel about Jim Lee. <laughs> Yes, yes. So then I have to, although I guess, you know what, all those years in, in middle school and high school, uh, drawing from his art, I guess it, it prepared me for it. But um, there's still, you know, there's still some pressure to recreate that and make it look good. So, so yeah, that was, a, that was one of the hardest projects I've, I think I've ever undertaken. Oh, well, like I said, I, I proudly have that and it's actually on one of my cabinet doors in my, uh, in my kitchen. Oh, thank you. So now that was one of the ones too that I didn't realize was yours until after I had already met you, because it was hanging before I had met you. 
Uh, <laughs> and then once I started getting all the other stuff and I realized, I think it was after I got the bottle that you did for Knocking Point um, that somebody's like, well, you know, Brian did that piece of all the wine bottles too. I was like, well, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> was it Wicked Aim? Is that the? That sounds, that sounds correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I thought that was the one. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, like, obviously now, like, you, a, a majority, you know, you were working all the cons for a while. I would see you constantly announcing different things. But with, you know, the coronavirus out there, all the cons, in, like, San Diego included now, are, are done. Yeah, that, like, that is the right call, absolutely. But mm -hmm. it just blows your mind. Like, I mean, well, and you know, as a sports fan, like there's no sports, there's not like, there's nothing. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. What's, what was your initial reaction to hearing that? Cause we talked a little bit about this before we even started recording, but what, you know, your initial reaction when you heard everything was getting canceled, you know, what was going through your mind? Well, so I have to preface this a little bit because, um, my wife and I have been trying to build up online sales for a while mm -hmm. so that we rely less on the conventions because the last couple of years conventions have been, uh, going a little bit downhill, um, in terms of our revenue at the conventions. And so online sales, there's a lot less, uh, that you have to put up money out front, uh, up front. Um, you know, obviously you got to pay for a website and stuff like that, but when you do a show, you got to pay for your booth space, your hotel, your, you know, if you're flying, if you have to ship stuff, there's all these costs up front and, you know, there's shows you don't make that back. <laughs> well, not to mention you also have to, you have to print stuff before you get there, not knowing right how much you're going to sell. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, the, the last couple of years have not been very good. And um, so we've really been trying to, to boost online sales and it's been kind of a slow process. And, you know, any online sales that we did have, was not enough that it would uh, completely uh, negate the, the need for uh, conventions. Mm -hmm. um, so when this started and, you know, conventions started getting canceled and stuff, it was like, oh, shit. Like, what the hell are we going to do? Uh, you know, because it's not only are you not going to have the convention income, but there's so many people that are out of work because of this that even if people want to buy stuff online or want to commission me for something or something like that, it's like they might not have the money yeah. or they might want to save it for, you know, an emergency because we're kind of in the middle of an emergency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of people. I mean, I'm lucky enough to, you know, do DoorDash on the side. So, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to continue to work when I need to, to make sure I have money. But yeah, not everybody has that opportunity, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many friends I see online that are just like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Like this is, I'm, I'm basically unemployed or, you know, you hear about all these small businesses shutting down because they can't 
they can't continue on without any cash coming in. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was scary. Um, I mean, obviously I was worried about the financial part, but you know, you're, I'm from New Jersey and New York and New Jersey is like the epicenter (laughs) of the country for this pandemic right now. And so I still have relatives up there. I have friends up there and, you know, put the, put the financial concerns aside. You're worried about people's health. I mean, um, especially, uh, you worried about like parents and grandparents and, Cause, cause when this thing started, it was like, it's really attacking old people. And mm-hmm. now we know, obviously it's, it's not just old people, it's everybody, but, uh, but yeah, when it started, it was, it was definitely a concern that, you know, my in-laws live in New Jersey and, you know, they're in that danger zone. Uh, you know, my parents are in that age range and, and everything like that. So it's, uh, it was definitely a scary time. And then, and then you start getting the stay at home orders. Um, cause North Carolina where I live now, um, we didn't get the, the kind of shelter in place orders until, uh, after a lot of the other States did. Um, so we were kind of going about our business, um, you know, you're, you're still cautious. And like I said, I work from home, so I'm not, I'm not interacting with a lot of people in person anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you start thinking, holy shit, like, is the post office going to be open? Like, even I- if we get online orders, can we deliver them? Can, you know, so it was, uh, a scary couple of hour, a couple of days there where it's just like, I, we don't know what we're going to do. You know, you start thinking like, all right, well, if we can't pay our mortgage or something like that, like the bank's got to excuse it, right? Everybody's in this situation. It's not like, you know, it's not like we're the only ones. So you start, you start kind of having thoughts like that. And then, uh, but it's, it hasn't been nearly as bad as we expected. So yeah, I think you even said like you're even busier than you anticipated with yes. your online sales, which is fantastic. Yeah. Like that's that's such good news because I know, you know, like I said, knowing you personally and, you know, we talked a little bit about heroes and villains, which they're in a dire position right now. And, you know, you know, anytime you hear about conventions going under or, you know, yeah. situations like this, the people that you know personally that are artists are usually the first people you become concerned about, you know, because when heroes and villains started going downhill, you know, you and, uh, you know, obviously a couple of people that I know who attend these cons were the first people I worried about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so, so to hear that you're busy is, is great news. Yeah. It's been, it's, I mean, obviously I don't want to jinx it, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's to the point where today I was, I was almost overwhelmed with all that I had to, to get done. And, uh, which is better than, you know, sitting around wondering if I'm going to be able to, you know, put food on the table. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and thankfully, you know, I know this full well too. You've got a lot of great friends and supporters who, 
you know, I, I know I shared your site and stuff to try and get you some online business. And I know I wasn't the only one. I saw a lot of friends I had. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I really appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate you sharing and I appreciate everybody doing what they can to, to kind of spread the word. And, but even in that situation, I, you know, you didn't know if anybody would even be able to, to have that disposable income, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Do you think, um, do you, do you think this will change conventions? Do you think they'll ever recover? Do you think eventually they'll go back to what they were? Do you think this is going to kind of change the face of, because even after this is all over, I think there's still going to be a deep set fear for some people about that social distancing thing, you know? And yeah. I think it's going to be a while for sure. I think, um, I think if it does ever go back to quote unquote normal, it might be a year, two years. I mean, it, it's, I think you're going to see more people walking around conventions with, uh, you know, masks on, not, not cosplay masks, but like, like surgical masks. Yeah. Surgical masks. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's because this, this, it's like you never know if this thing's actually going to be gone. Well, that's what I tell. That's what I tell a lot of people too. Is like, look, you know, we have this whole flattening the curve thing, which is why we're we're doing social distancing and stay at home. But yeah. you know, a, a lot of things that you know, one of the things that people tend to forget is that yes, once we flatten the curve, we still have to be very careful because the virus. Just because we flatten the curve doesn't mean the virus is gone. Right, because there's know? no there's no vaccine for it yet. I mean, yeah. that's that's. I think once there's a vaccine and once it, the vaccine is readily available, I think that's when things will go back to much more normal than, um, you know, even if, even if the, the country opens, uh, so to speak, you know, in a couple months or whatever, you're right. It's, it's not going to be normal. It's, it's still going to be, you know, I, I'm, going to guess a lot of sports are going to be playing in empty arenas and mm -hmm. empty stadiums. I think um, you're going to go to the movie theater and they're going to have, uh, there's going to be two seats between every person. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. and it's so, so it's not going to be normal for a long time. And uh, yeah, it's, it's sad, it's sad and scary. I mean, and, and one of the things that really scares the hell out of me, and this is, one of the reasons why I'm not to make this political at all, but like, you know, one of the things that you keep seeing about like how Florida is reopening the beaches and now Georgia is reopening the beaches and movie theaters and like all these people protesting that they want the country reopen, you know, people tend to not realize like history indeed does repeat itself. Yeah. And we went through this before back in 1918 with the black plague and we, <laughs> lo we lost like three to 5 million people. And then they reopened the country too early there was a second spike and we lost five times as many people the second time around. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and that I scares think, the hell out of me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I, yeah. <laughs> right. This is, it's very hard for me not to get political. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I, you and I have very similar views on this stuff and, but I don't want to, you 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 have to be very careful about it because you don't want to post anything online because you don't want to drive away a customer base because of an opinion that you have on something yeah. they might agree but with. But I will say this. Or disagree with. I will say this that um, 
some of the first cases that were so uh, where I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, there is a university here, University of North Carolina, Wilmington. And the first cases that were reported in our county were students coming home from spring break, mm-hmm. Florida, bringing it home with them. Yep. And that was. They were on spring break after people were warned not to do stuff like that. Well, it's like even like in, in Jacksonville, when they reopened the beaches, they announced that morning that the beaches were going to open at 5 p.m. that night. And I told people, I was like, because they opened the beaches saying like, oh, it's just for exercise. It's so people can walk. I'm like, well, you don't need an ocean view walk to get an ocean view on your walk to get exercise. Right. Walk, walk <laughs> down your street. You don't have to go to the beach to do it. But yep. if people see the beaches are open, they're going to think like, hey, I'm not working. I'm not in school. I'm going to go take a vacation. Yep. And, you know, I had people saying, no, that's not going to be the case. It's going to be like they're they're just going to go walk. That's what they're supposed to do. Five o'clock, the beaches opened. At 526, the beaches were packed. Of course. It's like because people don't – like they have no consideration for everybody else. And, you know, again, like another like, – got to try not to get so political. It sucks. I should have never even brought it up. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like in Kentucky, they were protesting – um, you know, the whole country to like the, the governor was, they were protesting the governor to reopen this, the, uh, the state and, and such. And literally two days later, they hit their peak. Yeah. Uh, they hit their highest numbers yet of number of, um, people who got the virus and people who died from the virus. So these people are asking for the country to open. And remember there's a two week, um, uh, what's, um, uh, like incubation period. Incubation for the period. Where, so yeah, yeah. So you guys are asking for the country to be re- reopened or your state to be reopened before you've even seen the peak of your numbers yet. Yeah. Like you don't realize that's going to destroy. Like I understand people want to go back to work. I want people to go back to work. I want to get out of my house. I want to see the people I care about. But if sitting in my house for a couple weeks to a couple months means I get to see them for much longer after that yeah it's a sacrifice i'll make right exactly it's not it sucks that the economy is in the shitter because of this of course but it sucks even worse that people are dying yeah (laughs) like that's that's what people should be concerned about not not opening the country to uh, yeah i mean yes (laughs) It sucks that like the only time I get to see my girlfriend is when we go door dashing together. And it sucks that we have to wear masks and gloves when we're in the car together. Yeah. But, you know, look, it's a sacrifice. It needs to be made. So we make it. So but anyway, let's get off of that. Okay. <laughs> and let's um kind of get ready to close things out. We'll talk. I want people who are listening to know kind of what you have to offer on your site, like the kind of artwork that you do and like how they can go about, you know, browsing it and and getting it and purchasing and stuff like that. I know obviously odysseyart.net is your website. Correct. Um, Tell me a little bit about like Torchlight Society. Tell me about the alter egos. And I personally want to know a little bit more about the Oracle because you and I haven't really talked about that much. (laughs) The circle. (laughs) Is it the circle? Why do I say Oracle? Where Don't worry, you're not from? the only one. People people <laughs> misread the logo all the time. Uh, the circle, it is the circle. Damn it, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, okay, so, well, let's start with my website. Um, 
there is a large variety of um, prints. We've got we've got all different sizes. Um, we've got some trading cards. We've got um, canvas prints. We've got just 11 by 17, eight and a half by 11. And we cover pretty much, uh, well, I don't want to say all the pop culture you can think of because I still get requests for a lot of stuff, but. Um, you cover a lot. I mean, if you have everything on your site from, you know, Supernatural, Marvel, DC, obviously, Winona Earp. Um, yeah, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Back to the um, Future. Yeah, there's a ton. So, I mean, it's one of the biggest things that I've done throughout the last 20 something years is draw stuff that I like. <laughs> um, and, you know, I would say that my tastes aren't exactly niche. I mean, I, I like a lot of mainstream popular stuff. So, um, so there's probably something in there for just about everybody. Um, the alter ego series that you mentioned, um, and that we talked about earlier is, something I've been doing since 2015. Um, each year I do a, a new series um, and each series consists of uh, at least 15, uh, 15 characters. I do one a month um, and then three that are kind of a variation uh, on one of the main ones. So for instance, um, I did Netflix Daredevil, uh, one in black and then one in red. So that was kind of what the variant was. Um, so having done it since 2015 and a new series each year, I'm up to series six right now. Um, I don't know when this podcast is releasing, but by Friday. Uh, so it, it, by Friday, okay, within a couple so, days. Yep. Okay. So the, uh, the newest, um, April installment for series six is actually releasing, uh, Tuesday, uh, April 21st. So it'll be out when this podcast comes out. Um, the newest one is Adam West, Batman. Um, yep. So he will be available this week. Um, I, I can't remember. I counted how many I've done. I, I think I've done, over 80 different alter egos. Um, and the thing about the series is that each one is limited edition. Um, so once they sell out, they're, they're gone. Mm -hmm. I've gotten requests to reprint some of the early ones. Um, you know, series one had arrow and flash, uh, from the CW in it. And, those were some of the first ones that sold out for me. So um, obviously they're pretty popular and, and I've gotten requests for them, but um, they're sold out. So they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, now that doesn't mean you can't get other arrow and flash stuff. Cause I definitely have other stuff like that, but, um, but the alter egos are something that um, I look forward to doing. Um, I know people look forward to seeing uh, who gets released um, I do a fan vote every year for it. Um, some of the fan vote winners have been, uh, winter soldier, um, Colton Haynes, arsenal, um, Danielle Panabaker as killer frost. 
Um, so there's been some, some cool ones there. And, um, you know, you mentioned my torchlight society, that's an exclusive, uh, kind of rewards club that I have. Um, it's an annual membership, uh, $30 for the year. You get, uh, an exclusive alter ego when you sign up. Um, you get 10% off online and at my booth at conventions um you get access to convention exclusives before the conventions um which is handy if if you can't make it to the con you can still get the exclusive or or if you uh, feel like it's going to sell out at the con yeah if you feel like it's going to sell out which um happens a lot (laughs) happens a lot um and uh and actually right now um my torchbearers uh have access to a a private poll to choose who um, who is going to be the torchlight exclusive alter ego this year. Yeah, and I'm losing. Yeah, I saw you, you <laughs> voted for the Kingdom Come Superman. Yeah, uh, I mean Ramsey as Green Lantern is going to be amazing. I I love that one too, but I'm such a Superman fan, and the Kingdom Come Superman we got from Crisis was just so amazing. Yeah, yeah, oh, God, I would have just I, yeah. loved that one. I, I'm not going to say that I won't do that anyway. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised that the, the Ramsey green lantern is, is winning so handily, but, um, and, and I should point out too, that all the suggestions, um, came from my torchlight members, uh, as to what to even put into the poll. So, um, they had some good suggestions, some stuff that I never thought about. Um, I yeah, don't know if you some, know. there were some good ones in there. Yeah, like the the Fight Club uh, alter ego, the uh, Edward Norton and and Brad Pitt. That was one I never thought of. I I still think I I don't think you've ever done it before, and I think I've made this suggestion to you, whether it be in a comment or something, because I know you've you've kind of done. You know, a lot of the artwork you do is live action stuff, you know, like Arrow, Flash, Batman, things yeah, like that. Yeah. You've done a little bit of animated stuff with Into the Spider-Verse. I know you, yes. you got into that a little bit. And I know one of the suggestions I kind of I think I think would be an amazing set and I know I would buy it is if you did a How to Train Your Dragon set of the character with their dragon. That would be awesome. I love those movies. So do I. They're my favorite animated movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if you did like a, a hiccup with a toothless, um, you know, or, you know, just put the other the other riders with their dragons, I'd like I would buy the hell out of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Um, uh, I, well, I'll see them in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny you, you you just mentioned that I mostly do live action stuff and and. A while ago, I I did like comic kind of art, and at some point I decided that I was going to stick to movies and television stuff because I didn't want to compete with uh, the guys that actually draw the comics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, not not just because uh, I wouldn't win that financially, but uh, just kind of out of respect for what they do and and. Like I know if, because uh, I do buy artwork too. Um, 
like if if I buy a Spider-Man print, I want to buy it from like Eric Larson or Mark Bagley, somebody yeah. that drew the book, you know. So so I pretty much it's been a it's probably been about ten years since I've done a comic book piece of art. I mean, it everything since has been movies and TV. Um, yeah, I mean, and it does make sense. You know, you're you're putting your own style on creating something that was live action rather than just copying another artist's work into right. a way that you want to do it. Would do you think it would be too difficult to do? And I'm just again, I'm just using the How to Train Your Dragon thing as an example. Do you think it would be too difficult or within the realm of possibility to imagine Hiccup as a real live person and do artwork that way and create a piece like that? So I've wanted to do stuff like that. Like I, I wanted to do a, a like a realistic Disney princesses mm -hmm. uh, series. And um, I think what happens is, is that, fans might look at it and be like, yeah, that's not how I picture them. And yeah. so I, I, I'm, I think that you could either really hit it out of the park and, and nail it so that people can relate to it and think, yeah, that's, you know, that's the way I picture, uh, princess Jasmine or, you know, whatever. Um, but if you don't get it right, man, that's, yeah, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's a that's a bit of a risk to do something like that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I would like to do something like that. Um, I would probably start with the 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 princesses just because um, I'm a huge Disney fan. Mm -hmm. um, although I do love How to Train Your Dragon, but um, you know where I would probably start by drawing Hiccup is uh, Jay Baruchel. I would probably make it look like him. <laughs> you know, it would work though. Yeah, because he's kind of got he's kind of lanky and skinny, and you know. You know, that's actually probably not a bad idea. Is to do a series of characters, like animated characters, but do the actor that voiced them dressed as the character. Yeah, you know the one that I really want to do of that is um, John Glover as the Riddler. When did oh yeah for some reason I, my mind went Donald Glover I'm like wait Donald Glover was never no no yeah no <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of cool yeah I think that would I mean he was at a convention the only convention I did this year uh, oh shoot GalaxyCon Richmond and my booth was very close to the celebrity row mm -hmm. and so he walked past my booth uh, a couple of times. And I actually saw him at the hotel at breakfast every morning too. But, and I just kept thinking like, man, he, he looks like he could be a good Riddler. Like we know he can do the voice and the acting and everything, but like he physically looks like he could be the Riddler too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause you kind of actually in a way you kind of already have done it because you did Kevin Conroy as Batman. Yeah. But not yeah. in, not in the Batman costume, but you did, <coughs> you know, you did a, a version of you, you did a, a, a portrait of Kevin Conroy with Batman in the background. Yes. So, yeah. So I guess that's kind of similar. And it, you did, I think you did it with, with Hamill too, as Joker. Yeah. You, you did a piece like that as well. Yeah. It's, it's always funny to, 
when people are looking through my book at a convention and they get to that and they're like, why is Luke Skywalker on that piece with the Joker? <laughs> you know, and it's like <laughs> the first thing you have to do is ask them their age. Right, right. <laughs> um, so. OK, so let's talk about the circle, not the oracle, the circle, because <laughs> this is something, again, like you and I haven't really talked about, but this is something you've been working on for quite a while now. Too long, too <laughs> long. So, yes, the circle. I I wrote I wrote the script as a screenplay in 2007. Um, and. Shortly realized, like, there's no way this is going to get made as a movie. Just just because, like, nobody knows who I am. Like, um, it's nobody's going to take a chance on on something with, you know, a, probably not a huge budget, but not, not a small budget. This is not something that I can go out and just film myself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of put it away for a while. Um, I thought about making it as a comic um, and I don't know. It just, even, even the thought of making it as a comic was like, well, nobody's going to publish this. Uh, You know, it's too hard to get image or dark horse or somebody to do that. So, but then I learned about Kickstarter and uh, in 2013, I ran the, I ran a uh, campaign through Kickstarter to fund the printing of the book. Well, I did not plan well enough. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, because basically I didn't have anything of the book done other than the script. And um, when I launched the Kickstarter campaign, I had decided that I'm not going to do it as a regular comic. I'm going to do it as like an illustrated novel, kind of like the old pulp magazines mm-hmm. where it's prose with illustrations. And, um, you know, if, if you know my artwork, it's basically digital painting. And so all of the illustrations in this book are, are paintings. And there's been pages that have taken I, I did a double page spread that took two months. Wow. And that that's two pages of the book. The book's over 300 pages. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So it, if anybody out there is, is listening that backed my Kickstarter campaign, I am so sorry it's taking this long. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I had to do it all over again, I would have the book done and then run the campaign um, but yeah, so it's, and, you know, besides how long it takes to do all the illustrations, um, you know, I've had to, to focus on other art to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, so. So you don't, you don't have like a full-time schedule to spend on it. Right. Although the last, I would say the last six months I've, you know, as we've focused on online sales, uh, as I mentioned, I've turned back to focusing on the book. So basically um, my schedule consists of in the morning, I handle all the social media stuff that I can for, for our business. 
Um, you know, I pack orders. I, um, I handle any kind of uh, commissions that I have or any new art like the alter ego series. And then basically after lunch, it's just all the circle. Um, and that's, that's kind of the schedule I'm on right now. And, and uh, obviously that has not changed with being quarantined. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then it's still just, it takes a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, if anybody even wants just an example of the artwork and such that you're, that you're putting into it, that you're creating for it, um, they can find it on your site. They can actually buy prints of some of the stuff you've already done. They actually, even better than buying prints. Well, I mean, obviously they can buy prints. That's, that would be awesome. But, um, I have the first chapter of the book available for download for free on my site. Um, is that just for torchlight people or is that just for, or is that for everybody? We made it for everybody with, with the quarantine. Um, we figured that everybody's at home might as well give them something to do. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, free, free download of the first chapter. That's it's about 40 pages, I think. Um, and so you can get an idea of the look of the book, the, um, the story that it's going to tell. Yeah. The story that it's going to tell, although, um, it's because it's only the first chapter. It's, it's a little vague as to, um, what exactly is going on. The, the title of the first chapter is called the setup. Um, and it has multiple meanings. And one of the, the meanings of the setup is that it's literally setting up <laughs> the premise of the world and the book. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's cool though. Yeah. I, it's, I know it's something I haven't read yet, but it's, uh, it's on my list. I think I downloaded already. If not, I definitely have to. Yep, you do. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> I insist. Um, so one final question for you before we, we start to wrap things up, and then I'll let you give like social media uh, okay. information and stuff. Um, we talked about you know celebrities seeing your work and, and coming to get your work and things like that. I'm somebody who has done this. I know there are a lot of other people that have done this. W- what's it like for you when you see those pictures of people like me or people who have other like other people who have bought your work who send you pictures of not just like hey i bought your work but it is hanging on their wall like it's it's a part of their everyday now it's i mean there's no no better feeling because it's that's we always i always talk about wanting to make sure uh my art is, uh, it makes it to a good home kind of thing. Like it's a lost puppy or something. Um, and so I know that, I know that not everybody has wall space. And so the fact that they're using the wall space they have on, on my work is, is, you know, the highest, highest compliment you can get. Yeah. I know I've sent you pictures of my, uh, my hallway in my apartment, my, my yep. entire hallway. Your, your Odyssey wall, as yep. you call it, right? Yeah, my, yeah I think it's uh, – how did I call it? I think it's like the Hall of Odyssey. Okay. I, I, I think <laughs> it's what I called it. And it's everything. I mean it's everything from like your like some flash artwork that you've done. It's arrow artwork that you've done. I've got a the Wolverine Logan pieces in there. I've got a Chuck piece in there. Like it's just every it's bits and pieces of everything that you've done. Some of it's it's all autographed by you. 
um but because you autograph every piece that you sell which i think is fantastic well as long as as long as people want me to <laughs> have you ever had anybody ask you not to oh yeah lots of people oh i like to have the signature on there i think it's i think it adds to it yeah i i mean a lot since a lot of people buy my stuff to get it signed by the celebrities um sometimes they they don't want my signature on it they just want the the celebrities so oh all right well that sucks to be them <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, like I, I have a couple pieces uh, like that are that I got autographed by the stars too. My one of my favorite pieces on my wall of your artwork is the Firestorm piece that I got signed uh, both by Robbie Amell and Victor Garber because that was the panel I moderated at that convention. I got to moderate the panel with Victor oh, and Robbie, awesome. and then <laughs> I got them to sign that piece of artwork. So that's a memory for me because one, it's it's one of my favorite pieces of yours, but it adds to the memory knowing that I got to share that experience with those two guys. Yeah. That's and really cool. That was Victor's first ever panel. Oh, really? And it got, cra <laughs> it got crashed by Katrina law in a T-Rex costume <laughs> and John Barrowman, uh, sneaking into the background without any of us knowing. <laughs> and that was like, that's still one of my favorite panels I've ever done because of, uh, you know, I it's it's funny, just a, a funny story to, to for you and anybody else. Anytime I always got asked what panels I wanted to do at the Heroes and Villains, I always put Barrowman on the list, knowing full well I was never going to get him. Right. Because Barrowman does not use a moderator. He doesn't need one. Right. So it was a running joke. And then that weekend, that was uh, Atlanta. Um, I think it was 2017, Atlanta, when I did that panel with Victor and Robbie. Uh, that was on a Sunday, but on Saturday... I happened to walk backstage before Barrowman's panel. Um, and when I got back there, I got flagged over by the stage manager, Mary, who you and I know. Right. Um, and she's like, hey, she's like, production doesn't have the audio cues for John. Do you want to go out and introduce him? <laughs> uh, yes. Like, don't, I'm not even going to question it. Like, yes, yeah. let me go out and introduce John. So I went up to John and said, hey, how do you want me to do it? So John and I had a conversation about it. And then apparently Mary or Jason, somebody had told John that I always asked to do his panel and I never get to. So I guess John took it upon himself to make it memorable. For oh me. boy. <laughs> so I went out and I introduced his panel and next thing I know, and anybody who's ever seen a John Berriman panel knows he likes to come out and drag um, an address, a jumper, whatever. So, He's a force of nature. Oh, my God, yeah. And I already knew he was getting in drag because I talked to him right before I introduced him. So I already knew right. he was dressed up. So not knowing really what to expect, I went out, I did the introduction, and then Tell Me What You Want by the Spice Girls starts playing. <laughs> John comes out, and he proceeds to do the Mick Jagger duck walk, but in a circle around me. And, oh boy. and he's not breaking eye contact with me the entire time he's doing it. <laughs> and I just slowly kind of back off the stage and, like, <laughs> do his thing. and I get backstage and his husband, Scott, is dying. Ugh. Like he's hysterical because there's monitors backstage so he can see what was going on. Yeah. And apparent and Scott happened to tell me he's like, yeah, he's like, he told me he was going to do that because he wanted to make it awkward. 
I'm like, well, mission accomplished. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and then it was even better because I not only did I get to share the stage with John once, I got to do it twice because, like I said, he crashed that panel with Victor and Robbie. <laughs> um, and he was out there for a good 10 minutes. Like he was standing next to me using my we, him and I just kept handing the microphone back and forth to ask questions for like 10 minutes. And it was great. So I don't even know what made me go off on that tangent. Oh, the Hall of Odyssey. That's what it was. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the the firestorm piece. But, I'll say this too: anybody that posts a picture of of my stuff hanging in their house or whatever, I share it. I, you know, I I appreciate it. So, um, tag me and I'll I'll share it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you shared. I'm pretty sure you shared mine. I think so. I'm pretty sure you did. So for everybody listening who wants to check out your artwork. Uh, hopefully pick up some because I highly again I highly recommend it. Uh, <laughs> where are your links? How can people find you? Um, so you said my my website's odysseyart.net. That's O D Y S S E Y. Um, and then uh, Facebook. Um, my page is is Odyssey Art as well. Um, and then for Twitter and Instagram, it's Odyssey Art Torch. Um, all one word. Um, we're probably most active on Instagram and Facebook. Um, that's, that's where you're going to get the most updates and the, the most, uh, sneak peeks and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and then everything is available for sale on the website. So check it out, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad we finally got to do this. Like I said, this is something we've talked about for a while. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's been like, yeah, at least a year. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, at the very least. I know I went for a while, like I'm in the sixth season of the podcast now, and it's I went for a good period of time between seasons five and six. So, you know, I'm, I'm finally getting back into it. I'm glad I got you to, to do it now, especially with everything going on. Like this is a good opportunity to promote artists and – and things like that, because, you know, this is affecting everybody. So, yeah, yeah, this was a good one. And, you know, art brings uh, happiness to people. So, yeah, for certain. And I know you and I both have a lot of mutual friends who I'm I know will share this and promote this episode. And, you know, so that that's a good thing as well. So, yeah, absolutely. But uh, we're going on an hour and 45 hour and 50 minutes. So hopefully we didn't, hopefully we didn't bore people too much. I, I don't think we did, because uh, I wasn't. I, I, I hope you weren't. No, no, not at all. I was the one talking, so no, of course I'm not bored. We were both talking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for finally doing this. Um, hopefully uh, I'll be able to get you back on in the future too, especially if you have any. Once the convention circuit starts rolling back around and. Uh, you know, get you to promote some appearances and maybe even promote an appearance at my convention if it's when it finally happens yeah i fingers crossed man yeah i know i know that so much goes into those things like you ain't you and you you're not whistling dixie man no uh -uh. <laughs> it was it was a project that we started that you know in the back of our minds we were thinking oh within six months we'll be ready uh no it's like a year and eight months at this point and yeah it's uh, yeah it's, and then this happened right we were well we, and and you know, when you're dealing with something like that, there's so many little things that you don't even think up, think of until a problem arises 
like even after the conventions launched. Yeah. Well, I mean, like even now, like we had plans on announcing dates for March of uh, of 2021, and now we're pushing back to fall again because even if the country resumes by March, like if the country resumes by September, you know, yeah, we could sign contracts for for March for dates for March, but the two things now are like we're not going to announce those dates till September October, which doesn't give us a lot of time to prepare for a March con. Right. And then we've also got all these other cons that are now rescheduling. Yeah. So we're going to be in competition against other cons no matter when we do it in the spring. Yeah. So we're like, nope, we're, let's just push it to fall of 2021. This way we're giving ourselves plenty of time and, you know, we go from there. So hopefully that sticks. But, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. But thanks again for doing this. Um, and like, like I said, hopefully down the road we'll get you back on again. Yeah, I'll tell you my story of meeting Hugh Jackman. You're going to tell me that after the podcast? <laughs> oh, no, no. I'll tell you on the next the next time you have me on. Oh, you're going to make me wait for it. You <laughs> suck. You suck. <laughs> uh, well, uh, again, thanks for coming on. And uh, for all of our listeners, make sure you check out Brian, odysseyart.net, like you said, all the social media links. Go check out his page. Go check out his artwork. I highly recommend, even if it's just a $5 print, purchase something, support Brian, support the work that he does. Uh, I guarantee you, you'll like anything that you get. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you guys on another episode of The Spotlight, and we'll see you around the bend. Take care.